Yeah, that was uh, – let's see. I actually got it written down here. That was uh, – it was Duncan Trussell Family right. Hour podcast. You guys kind of remind me of each other. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I can thanks. understand why you like him. So, yeah, it was Uraji. It was the episode that was uh, 12, 26 of 17. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty interesting, it though, huh? It was very interesting. That guy's super, uh, super interesting, the, the guest that he was interviewing, yeah. which I think he said it was something from New York. He was in... I think, yeah, so he was, was discovered Washington? by Brian Eno in Washington Square See, Park, which is... Right. I didn't really know who that was. Who's like Brian? I, you know, it's I weird because... Him. I wasn't sure either, and then as I was listening to Spotify after the podcast, one of his songs came up. So, he's also a musician. I don't know what his history is. But. Oh, okay. Well, um, this is Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm here with Aaron Holland, Woo-hoo! return guest from episode number one. <laughs> yes. So awesome. <laughs> that was crazy. So, I ended up at the end of that recording with, <clears throat> I think it was like two hours yeah, you had a of, lot <laughs> of audio and of me like barely making it, like nodding my head and dozing off. Mm. Well, and, uh, the <laughs> other problem was I had written out notes and questions for you, and then I just completely <laughs> left them inside. I don't know what I was thinking. And it's the thing is, I've learned a whole lot, and that what did so you learn? somebody has to be the first podcast, right? <laughs> and that's right, <laughs> and that's what I've realized. So the first podcast will never be a good podcast. It can you be know? good. It it can be good. It, was decent, it can but be good. There's room for, but there's always room it's kind of one of those things like the first time you go down a ski slope, <laughs> it's not gonna be perfect. Yeah. You know, the you first time. Around, so there's crash. all these things like that's part of the first time. Yeah. Part of the first, and and then you know you'll go back and listen to it in ten years and think, oh man, <laughs> like. Now it ha- takes on such a better, you know, more robust meaning once you have it within the context. But at the time, you know, it was kind of like the audio quality of that one is just terrible because I had that. Do you remember that little recorder? Uh-huh. I just had a little bitty recorder and yeah, I-40 gets so loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? In fact, it's funny because when I was listening to it again, like walk, I was walking down the street in New York listening to it and there was that whole segment of the interview where there's a fire truck passing mm-hmm. by. And I was freaking out, like, where should I go? Where is this fire truck? And then I realized it was part of it's recording. Part of, I hate it. I actually hate when that happens because I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm doing, like, yard work or, like, yeah. working around my house. And something will, like, I'll hear something, and it's like, oh, huh. And it, oh, wait, that's not in the real world. That's in the imaginary world. Yeah. You know? But, uh, okay, some quick announcements. Um, Panhandle Primate Meet Up. Panhandle Podcast Meetup. So it's not fans of my show. So people that are fans of Hey Amarillo or Radio Lab uh-huh. or Joe Rogan Experience or podcast just podcast in general. That's what this meetup's podcast for. People. So it's just like panhandle people. So uh, if you listen to any podcast, some that like every single time I get to talking to somebody about podcasts, mm-hmm. they always bring up two or three that I've never even heard of. Yeah, you know, it's um, so people are listening to all sorts of things. Who knows what, but. Uh, that's I'm planning on doing that. I set a little a tentatively hard date at February third, two thousand eighteen. It's a Saturday. Maybe 2018? do it. Two thousand eighteen. Oh yeah. right. That's, yeah. That's coming. That's up. like that's tomorrow. That's, <laughs> that's tomorrow. You're right. You that's know? A, a month and a well, depending on when this is released. But. Yeah, I'll probably release it tonight. <clears throat> I can usually. I got pretty quick turnaround on them, but um, 
So anyway, I'm planning on doing that February 3rd, and I haven't decided a location, but it's a Saturday. Um, probably going to be shooting for like around 2 to 3 in the afternoon. Uh, I'm thinking about, just to in- inform you on what it is, it's like I'm, I'm planning on doing like a live show recording with a guest, mm-hmm. and then hopefully have a musical guest at the end. And then afterwards, have it just be a hangout, drink some beer, kind of socialize, like a little bit of a party, maybe play yeah. some, you know. Um, and I guess people could eat if we're at a restaurant. So anyway, February 3rd, tentative date, mark your calendars or whatever people do, you know. Put it <laughs> in your mind. Your iPhone. The, only, the other thing is the Colfax Half Marathon up in Denver, Colorado, May 19th and 20th. 2018 i'm planning on doing that half marathon and i'm gonna see if i can get like a little group of people together to go do it um maybe make some t-shirts yeah i don't know i need i need somebody to create a logo for me me. (laughs) no got enough on my plate dude got enough man i need you know what but see yeah yeah i could recommend someone maybe yeah my thing is i need somebody to create i need a i need a logo so i can start making t-shirts I think you need an intro song. I, did, I prepared I, something for you. Oh, did you? Are you ready to hear this? Yes. Dexter Kearley Panhandle Primate Podcast. <laughs> or also, this is an alternate. Nice. Ready? <laughs> ready? Okay. Dexter, Dexter Keely, king of the panhandle, primate podcast. Boom! King? <laughs> yeah, king, dude. King. Royalty. It'd be like a sword in the stone. We watched Sword in the Stone yesterday. And that's oh, a pretty that's a pretty trippy show. You know, I haven't seen it in many years, yeah. but I believe you. I mean, he's just this... It's this very no, spiritual. Yeah, this no good kid that, or he's actually the best. Like, he's like the best kid, but it's everybody craps Arthur, on him. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he ends up, he <clears throat> loses the sword, and he has to go get a sword, and they just see it in the courtyard. He doesn't even know it means you're king, and he pulls it out and, like, runs like, oh, shit, you know, I'm still in trouble, hands it off, and then they're like, who pulled it? You know, he becomes king, you know? It's like, uh... Just a, it's a pretty interesting Disney movie. Yeah. I mean, throwback, way There's back in the really day. There's some really trippy cartoons was, out there. Yeah. Puff the Magic Dragon, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I always, you know, you hear people say today, I can't believe what the kids are watching today. It's like, did do you yeah. know what we were yeah. watching? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, some of that stuff is pretty crazy. Wackadoo. Yeah, wackadoo. But, um... <laughs> Any yeah, uh, Col- Colfax Half Marathon, May 19th, 2000, or, or 2018, tomorrow. Crazy. Um, other than that, I don't really have any other announcements other than, like, uh, check out the Facebook page. Um, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and check out my website. Other than that, I don't got any other announcements. So, now we're in the show. Guest Aaron Holland sweeping down through Amarillo as the uh, cold hits. Up through, as it were. Yeah. Oh, up through, yeah, from Abilene. Mm-hmm. Are you dry? You're flying out of here. I'm flying. Yep, to- Amarillo to Houston, oh. early, and then up to New York. And then up to New York. Nice. So how's how's life in the Big Apple? It's good. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy season. Has it? Um, for many reasons, most of them family stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really good. I feel like 
I'm kind of like rounding the bend on being in a place of, um, I don't know, <laughs> kind of like consternation and a lot of um, analytical, like self-reflection. And mm. now I feel like I'm kind of coming out of that and just do you think that absorbing that... a lot of positive energy and confidence and Do you think joy. that goes with the seasons? Yeah, I mean, I think it can. I think for me, there's been a lot of impetus for that. Oh, well, <laughs> do you have a place? Oh, yeah, no, that's a dog. Um, <laughs> um, no, I <laughs> think, yeah, 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 I think it does come with the seasons. And I think that each season informs the next, you know? I yeah. think that it's been good in some ways to have this um, season that has been really, in a lot of ways, so tragic because there's been a rich beauty that's come out of that. And I think now I'm also kind of in a posture of like really looking for beauty out out of mm. that out of the ashes essentially so i think yeah Dang. it's been really that's pretty deep it's been really interesting yeah well so uh i guess we could start at the bottom i have here so i i w- it was kind of crazy i didn't really realize that tomorrow is new year's day you know yeah. i didn't for whatever reason uh i haven't been paying attention to the calendar and stuff and so one of the things I had uh, written down was reflections on 2017, which mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. seems like it kind of was. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it is funny how you have these different periods of the year where it feels like you're starting mm-hmm. and when you're finishing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm finishing a year, but what does that even really mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting a new year. Where's those lines that we're like imagining? Yeah, it's strange you know? that we have. I mean, it is based on the astrological movement of things but it it is kind of interesting that we perceive a start and finish like we narrate it like we narrate yeah uh oh no this is the end and this is the start and i'm going this direction and And how much easier it is in some ways to start over on january 1 right because it's really just another day but Mm -hmm. there's something there's something cultural, but also something kind of internal where you're. Well, see, I, I think, over. I think, I mean, the pl- the whole planet does it. You know, it's like okay, winter, everything kind of goes dormant, everything kind of dies off. Yeah. Everything, it's like okay, we're we're just gonna freeze everything out. Yeah. Everything's gonna go away and die, yeah. and then we're gonna turn the heat back on. Everything's gonna come back alive, and and you're gonna get a, a second chance. You know, yeah. planting that garden you wanted to plant or. <laughs> fixing up your yard or growing a tree, you know, but you have to hit those right seasons or, you know, or to build momentum to get through the next season, you know, it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because on my way here, as I was so I was driving out from Bushland into the, into the city and, um, just, I was so in awe of seeing ice on all of the trees because there wasn't really that much snow, Mm -hmm. but every single branch of every single like bush and tree was just like a perfect little icicle. Yeah. And I was listening to NPR or something like I was listening to some public radio with this orchestral like winter music. And it just felt there was such a beauty even, even in the, in the deadness. of Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's actually a pretty good, metaphor for where I've right yeah like in a lot of ways things in my life have been dying but I've been surprised at how much um I mean beauty is I don't know beauty's not really the right word because it doesn't seem grand enough but yeah well and it's like uh there's there it's like 
there's always the promise that it's going to come again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to start. I the one thing about winter is like it it is amazing, but without all the death and without the gloom, you, there's a whole side of the story that wouldn't get told. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to have like Bonnie Vera wouldn't be a band. It, you know, do you know what who you they mean? are? Well, I know, yeah, I know Bonnie Vera, but what do you mean? But by like, it? okay, so like his whole the whole first album, he was. And this, somebody might need to fact check me on this. I'm not sure, but um, I think I read somewhere that he had some sort of sickness and he had just broken up with his girlfriend, which got him kicked out of the band that he was in. I see, yeah. And then he got some sort of sickness and he had to go stay in a cabin in the woods, like in the cold, like a cold, yeah, and he recorded by himself, kind of in a solitary, like lonesome, you know, not, not, it's like kind of a dark mindset Mm -hmm. but then you hear the music and it's like oh (laughs) like i'm glad you suffered because you gave me this album that i didn't get to listen to you know have you seen the snl sorry to break your go ahead go ahead to break your moment of reflection have you seen the snl skit with justin timberlake playing bonnie bear no i have not is it hilarious I'll watch it. You have to watch it. Yeah, I'll definitely watch yeah. it. I, put it we, on. This is like, this needs to be on your podcast website. Like, put a link to that yeah. in this episode. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to. I, so that's one thing I'm getting. A, so a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm actually like uh, technologically uh, retarded. <laughs> to me, to use the term correctly, like it just takes, I'm like, it repels me away from it, you know, like as I start messing. So anytime I start like typing up a, like typing up a thing and I start trying to put links in, uh-huh. it's like it cannonballs out of control and I end up, uh, you know. I was going to recommend Bitly, but maybe not. Bitly, what's that? Bitly creates custom, like short URL links. Oh, really? So you could like brand all of your. Ooh. Yeah. I'll show it to you after. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah I'll have to. See. see, that's the thing is, I'm not very good at this. I'm it's doing it, but really I'm not very good at this. It is. You're cool. really good. Dexter, you're doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. You're doing it. Yeah. You've been really ambitious about it. You've been very proactive. Yeah. This will be my This will be my 16th episode, yeah. I think. And that's kind of crazy. That long ago. No. No. Awesome. I, I've been trying to stay super consistent because I feel like it's one of those things like you got to get the momentum going and then you've got to like start expecting it from yourself to be putting them out and then that's the only way that people can well see that's the thing is I don't even necessarily know if I'm building an audience yet I'm still building you are uh uh, yeah I'm not exactly sure not exactly sure where I'm going with that but um you know it a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, mm-hmm. like that Duncan Trussell one that I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he's on episode number like 440 or something. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys, they have a lot of episodes, you know, and yeah. part of it is you just have to knock it out. You have to like be committed and, and kind of work towards it and do it. And I know. And ex- now he's doing ads for Squarespace. Yeah. That could be you. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, do- he, he's been doing those <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. He's been doing those ads for Squarespace, but and I actually use Squarespace. Yeah, Square. I use it too. Yeah, you'd have to use Squarespace, and I think everybody should use Squarespace. That's a, but that's <laughs> a completely different. Oh, I guess that could kind of tie in. Yeah, I want to know what your other questions are. So one of my questions is like, what is your? What would you define as your art background? Or if like you, if somebody was like, okay, who's Aaron Holland mm-hmm. right now? Who would you tell them you were? You know what I'm saying? Yes, I would say I'm an artist. 
I would say I am also a producer by trade, um, but my, my background in art is that, I don't know, I was always an artistic and kind of curi- like visually curious kid. Yeah. Um, I was always extremely opinionated. When did you about- first consider yourself an artist? Like, around what age was it? That's a good question. I mean, I remember having sort of those types of proclivities from the time I was even in, even in, like, as early as kindergarten or, uh, like, nursery school, I remember being asked to do some little illustration that they used on the pamphlet pamphlet for Oh, really? little like pre-k school we'll see in there because there are funny i just remembered that shan and i were talking about this the other day and she was talking about her their valedictorian uh uh, that she graduated with they had all gone to school together since they were in kindergarten yeah or maybe third fourth grade Uh and she said all the way back then people were like okay that's the (laughs) smartest kid in the class you know this is the most artistic kid in the class it's like you you like bud early when you have those yeah yeah yeah. So it's always it's always curious to me, like who, because I I remember in like middle school it was like oh that that person is an artist like yeah. they consider themselves an artist you know yeah. and then other kids just kind of try at art. I you mean know? that's kind of the weird thing for me. I always remember loving art and making stuff, and like one of our babysitters growing up was a really wonderful illustrator, and so she taught us a lot of things, but. I and I like I did well in art classes and stuff like that. But when I got to high school, I wasn't taking art classes. I was on yearbook staff, so I was actually doing a lot of the stuff that I do now in my mm. job, which was like making layouts and kind of like writing a little bit, doing some photography. And um, then when I got to college, I I entered into our um, visual arts program as an interior designer. And I didn't really have any ambition of being an artist or becoming, like, I, it didn't seem practical enough to me. Um, So I started out doing, like, just taking a lot of drafting classes. Mm. And then, but I had, I had a prerequisite as a, I had a basic drawing prerequisite. So I got into that class with this professor of mine, Jack Maxwell, who was the head of the department at Abilene Christian. And I just... It was partly because of who Jack was. He's just kind of this, like, uh, very, uh, very very eccentric, hilarious, like, loving kind of Santa Claus slash God slash, like, art dad figure. Yeah. Um, and I just really fell in love with that whole... I don't know. I, I I fell in love with making stuff with my hands, you know? Yeah. I was in drafting classes, and I was it was very regimented, and I knew that if I went down that path, I could do it well. But it just felt, like, too rigid. And so after that class with Jack, I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should try some other art, like, fine art classes to see how I like it. So then – but it still didn't really seem practical to me. So I was right. like, all right, I'll, I'll try graphic design. So I took a bunch of – computer courses, type courses, um, and I also really liked that, but, like, simultaneously I was taking studio classes, doing painting and, and illustration, and I don't know, there was just something so gripping about that, and so, like, I felt, um, it sounds very cliche to say it, but I really did feel like my soul came alive when I was just in the studio, like, 
making stuff, forgetting that I was hungry, forgetting I was sleepy, for, like forgetting about everything else except for just what just was Just like an obsession. Me. It was yeah. like an obsession. Yeah. So um, eventually I changed my major to uh, studio art. And and then out, out of school, I mean, it was actually really good that I kind of got some of these other things under my belt because after school I started working in museums and some of those, like the studio courses were helpful. I did like a little a year's worth of kind of internships and contract work in conservation in D.C. at a couple of different places. So I was definitely using a background in kind of like working with materials and yeah. having to know about like, you know, just kind of um, the minute details of things. But then after that, when I lived here, I was a graphic designer. So, yeah. I mean, it was nice that I had kind of a backing of other skill sets to get me through. Um hmm. And then, I mean, what's funny is that all of those things ended up combining uh, pretty well into the job that I have now because a lot of what I do is hands-on, a lot of what I do is computer work, and I'm still doing freelance design work, and so, yeah, it's funny how... It's like creative and practical. Like, you have to have, you have to have this creative side, but you also have to be able to, like, knuckle down and be a big person and, like, show up to work (laughs) on time and, you know, like, get something. You have to produce something, you know? (laughs) Well, see, that's that's what's so uh, hard. You know, I just got out of that creative writing class, and oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. you did. You did tell me that you're writing mm-hmm. a, a sci-fi novel. Yeah, that's a that's I, so. Shannon said I've never really taken a college like college class before, so she was like, "Oh, sign up for a continuing ed, yeah, online college like creative writing." So I had to do like write a short story, write a poem, and then write a play mm-hmm. for it, and. Um, so I was like, I actually had kind of like deadlines, yeah. and and that's the first time I've ever really written with, you know, since, I mean, being being an adult mm-hmm. with deadlines. Mm-hmm. Normally I just jot and I I work, and sometimes <clears throat> it'll hit me and I'll be feeling really creative and I can write like six pages, you know. Yeah. But now I'm like having to be creative, like you have to. So like that's an interesting part that people. It's not just the talent. The talent doesn't get on the page without the discipline and the right. the purpose, right. the uh, intent. You have right. to have an intent behind your art. Yeah. And then a, yeah. that's a cool – when you hit an obsession point, when you have something in your head that you want to get on that paper mm-hmm. and you produce this art, you know, I could mm-hmm. see how that would be like pretty – it gets exhilarating. You know, you start building momentum or something. Yeah. Now, there's a famous quote by Milton Glaser who designed the I Heart New York logo. He's a famous graphic designer. And he, it's something like, um, talent without commitment is, uh, can, can get you, um, can get you a little bit, a lot, like a a little far talent or, and then like blind ambition without talent can also get you a little bit further, but talent and ambition combined are the thing that really propels you and makes you go, Um, go into that weird space and that's one of the questions i was going to ask you is uh like fine art like high society you're at moma Mm -hmm. now the museum Mm -hmm. of modern art in new york city Mm -hmm. is that like the big one or are there bigger (laughs) there are many big ones actually there are many big ones uh moma i guess by size is the biggest Mm. modern and contemporary art museum yes so like um, I've never really got so I I kind of get the appeal of some of like the higher society like finer art, mm-hmm. um, but like being in that what what would what would your 
what would you say to somebody that says that kind of artwork doesn't make sense yeah. or it's I the reason why I love modern and contemporary art is for the stories behind the work mm. um, I think that makes all the difference I actually fell in love with modern contemporary art when I was in college taking art history because I started reading you know kind of these like mini snapshot biographies of all of these different people who had made it into the the um, the canon of you know contemporary art and it just fascinated me because <clears throat> um I don't know, like the the thought that someone could be so committed to an idea or a vision to put that into the world with um, with so little compromise, it's just so inspiring to me. And also, I mean, there's people who there's people who are all over the spectrum in terms of their personal background. There's Basquiat, who was basically you know like living on the street and got discussed. I mean, there's a lot of stories like that. There's also stories. Um, Louise Bourgeois, who made her whole body of work about the tragedy of her home life with her, like her kind of strained relationship with her father mm. and her father having an open affair as she was growing up with her, like her mate, his mate. I mean, sorry, to get, yeah, yeah, not to get into like weird stuff. But, oh yeah, no. you know, just it's really fascinating to see how people work through the their own personal histories and create something beautiful from that. And that's yeah. that's really where I feel like I am now too. But I think. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the most, if not the most compelling aspects of, of contemporary work, because I think that in some ways, and this is just my personal opinion, but when you're looking at, you know, a Turner landscape, when you're, you know, or when you're looking at a beautiful, um, uh, like vase or something at the Met mm -hmm. you see like you see so clearly the beauty of it and you kind of like have an you have uh, an instant understanding of its value there's not that there's not intrigue because of course there's plenty of history that comes with those objects too but right. I think there's something about the mystique of of modern objects is really appealing to me hmm. because it's not immediately um you can't immediately make sense of it and I like that yeah yeah well, see, because <clears throat> there's always like a deeper level to the work. Like when you really, because those people, uh, do, do you feel like those artists are like genuinely talented in other forms of art and they are just choosing to do that? Or is that just what comes out, you know? I think it really depends. You're talking about modern contemporary. Well, yeah. So that I guess that's kind of always one of the things. Is some like Picasso. Mm -hmm. He was at the top of the art world, right? Mm -hmm. By mm -hmm. the age of like twelve, mm -hmm. he was mm -hmm. the best in the game. Mm -hmm. And then he decides, okay, I'm the best in the game here, so I'm going to start like challenging myself and mm -hmm. seeing what comes out. And then mm -hmm. all this weird, crazy, you know, yeah. morph. And then somebody's like, well, a four year old could do that. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. But it's like, a, but a four year old didn't do that. So like, look at it a little harder, see right. the deeper story or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know? No, I think artists are all over the spectrum on skill and on background in terms of classical training. I mean, Picasso is a great example of someone who really could do anything. He could have done anything he wanted to visually, and he chose. I mean, actually, he was also very diverse in terms of his um, exploration and different styles and different mediums. And, um, I mean, incredibly so maybe mm -hmm. like the most ever. <laughs> uh, but I think, um, 
There are also, I mean, well, I probably shouldn't use this example because I don't know um, a ton about his history and other mediums, but Duchamp, for example, Marcel Duchamp, he, he was an artist who was very, he was primarily concerned with ideas and about um, kind of presenting something um, almost as a question. So in terms of his skill set, could he could he draw realistically? I mean, that's not what he was making work about. Right. So there's, yeah, I think there's a wide spectrum of hmm. artists who are coming from a certain background and who are kind of like mixing it up in terms of process. And then I think there are artists who think completely differently about their work. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Um, so... One thing I was going to ask you about, I didn't get a chance to ask you about on the last time, was like the the new New York perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it is like permeating into into your life? You know, meaning my own perspective. From well, like yeah. There? So having, um, you know how whenever you live in a spot long enough, mm-hmm. you you things become normal to you, and yeah. then whenever somebody comes outside, it's not normal, you yeah. know? Yeah. And you just kind of change, you accept, you become part of that culture, and now yeah. that's part of you, yeah. you know? So that, um, I was just going to ask you, like, what are, what new new perspectives have you gotten from living in New York City? Yeah. Ooh, that's a really big question. Um, I was actually, this is kind of a weird and funny example, but I was talking to my sister about this the other day because... Um, we, I was home for Christmas. She and I went to, ran to the grocery store to get something late at night. And while we were there, we kind of like got into this tiff about family stuff and started arguing in the grocery store. And it was pretty late. Like it was about to close. There weren't that many people around. But I was just like full on, let's go for it and talk through this. And as we like... It started to kind of get more heated and more heated and it had been going on for like 10 minutes and finally we got to the register and I'm in like full argue mode, like just back and forth. Like, well, and I was like to the point of cursing, which like is not the person that I was when I lived in Abilene and I'm actually like, it's not, well, anyway, so, (laughs) so, so I'm like standing there arguing with my sister, like talking about deeply personal matters around our family and start cursing. And the cashier actually laughed at me because it was so brazen. And I mean, it wasn't actually, that's the thing. Like to me, it felt kind of normal. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, I think she just was shocked at what, like the, the fact that I was having this conversation in public. Yeah. And then also I laughed because she cart, we were buying wine and she carded me and I handed her my New York ID and I was like, well, I guess that'll make <laughs> yeah. more sense. But it kind of, when we walked out, uh, I, Catherine was like, do people just like argue in public in New York? I was like, oh Yeah. I guess she was like, I was just thinking like, I guess when you are just with people all the time out yeah. in the open, you don't really have a choice. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've definitely cried a lot just like walking plainly down the street. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Because you just can't hide. I mean, there's not a place to hide really. Oh, so, dang, that's crazy. Just things like that that you kind of get used to. Um, so that's one weird example. Not one yeah. I'm extremely yeah. proud of, but one that made me laugh a lot. Um, there was also, yeah, I mean, I think there was a point that I realized my experience of life had just become a lot more varied and diverse and my 
my, the types of relationships that I had with people, the types of people that I know, knew, know. Um, I, I mean, I think it's completely shifted who I am. And I don't, I don't know that I always see it until I hang out with people who I knew before, who knew me well before I moved there. And I think a lot of it comes down to kind of like owning my, myself and like, you know, like going through experiences where I had to kind of like gain a little grit yeah, <laughs> um, and speak up for myself. And I'm really still learning that. I mean, I think that my natural... Um, kind of my natural personality is to be kind of like shy and a listener and, and not to really speak up too much. But I think New York has helped me with that. Yeah. So this is kind of another tagline into the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, can anyone be an artist? Yeah, absolutely. Should I guess the question should be, should, <laughs> should everyone be, be an artist? Um, I mean... I think if one has the desire to, then yes. I think um, I think that anyone has anyone has the ability to be so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think especially now the the way that art has like the direction that art has gone, and even in the past, like. Well, I don't know, since postmodernism. I mean, I think that um, it really comes down to if a person has an idea they want to share and they feel like they have um, the confidence to do that with... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to define, like, what are the boundaries around becoming yeah. an artist. But yeah, well, see, absolutely. I've, I uh, started working on... I'm working on a blog post, so... This next year, I have a goal of putting out two blog posts each month and then two podcasts each month. Yeah. And just trying to do that each each month. But yeah. So I'm working on one. Wait, go ahead. No. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point, like, to follow up with, like, okay, this is the thing I'm making, right? Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think what it boils down to in your question is, like, what what is it really to be an artist and See, what is yeah, it? Yeah, that's – so, like – the this blog post I'm working on. The the thing is, I kind of at one point I I go back through communications between humans. Yeah. So they think uh, human language appeared anywhere from two hundred thousand to fifty thousand years ago, mm-hmm. to where people could start talking to each other, mm-hmm. spoken language, and then written language came thirty one hundred <laughs> BC, mm-hmm. and then the printing press, and then and then it's like then the internet hits, mm-hmm. and then you have apps to where you can learn different languages and you got books and you got electronics and you got all this crazy. So, so it's almost, I feel like it's almost think of a thousand years ago, you have an ancestor that Mm -hmm. led directly to you. Mm -hmm. Is it a slap in their face to not at least try to do something? (laughs) You know, I mean, it's free. It's almost free. Try to do something. What do you mean? Try to do, try to do something that, that like, so to me, art like pushes the narrative mm-hmm, forward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and there's well, a lot of different ways of pushing the narrative yeah. forward. Well, and Timothy you know? Ingalls, who's also been on your podcast, yeah. also said to me recently, shout out, that uh, <laughs> uh, artists are prophets. Yeah. And I think that's very much what it is. I mean, for me, I think the most successful work I've made is work that distills a human experience that I've had into something 
into some kind of voice that can be understood in a in a unique way or or kind of pushes like you said the narrative of um culture in in kind of a a new direction right right and see it's kind of interesting when you look at like popular culture a lot of people like to ignore the art in popular culture but pop art is a huge thing Mm -hmm. and whenever something like the walking dead comes out and the popular culture are artistically drawn to dead human beings yeah. walking around, brainless no. human beings, you know? Yeah, it's like, that, yeah. then you look around and, and you start realizing, wait, maybe we have been zombies our totally. entire, you I know? Mean, my other friend Pasquale has talked a lot about that, how the the kind of like trend towards zombie art or zombie, zombie media is completely a reflection of mm-hmm. the fact that we're all like, walking around looking at screens all day and can't even have a decent right. conversation. Well then you then you have the steampunk like <clears throat> movements. Like you have all these different artistic ways of like uh or like the Mad Max type stuff. It's like people even though, you know, in America it's hard to say, you know, but people are feeling like they're caged in and yeah. trapped and yeah. like it's a post apocalyptic world we live in and yeah. it's all about how you choose to frame your perspective on the yeah. story, you yeah. know, it's yeah. kind of interesting how that yeah. can sway. Like the, I think the thing that people fear about art so much is mm-hmm. that it can sway you without you stop. You can't stop it sometimes. Like if you mm-hmm. see a really powerful piece mm-hmm. and it makes you realize, Oh, I'm the racist mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. which is a healthy thing. I mean, yeah. like I, uh, I feel like you should build things into your life that challenge you. So like, that's one of the reasons I really like running because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty much every – at some point bet- when you're on a run, whether it's before or in the middle or at some point, you're going to like be like, fuck this. Why am I running? Uh-huh. This is the stupidest thing. I <laughs> Like what am I – you know? Yeah. Like you have this – and then it's like, no, you got to like kind of like you get – you settle back in. You're like, no, I'm doing this so I can run a little bit faster tomorrow or like, you know, but there's always this little thing pops up, you know, and that you have to address that. And, but you have to put yourself into an adversity type situation to see where you're going to break, like to see, to actually know yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you have to be put, you have to put yourself in a situation where it's like, am I racist? You know, like you, you can't know that until you know it, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, and then you can't change can it. Definitely push you into a place where yeah, you can't change it until you. Yeah, questioning your foundation. Until you question yeah. it. Um, I started recently making a body of work. Well, not. I started recently, kind of culling together all of these different um, kind of works that I've made about my mom. Oh yeah. Um, and it, mostly video work, some photography, and. Uh, one of the things I've been thinking about is the fact that, uh, and this is kind of like touching on a subject we were just on, but the fact that I started making this work just because I needed to document it and because I felt like I needed to tell a story, but not because I was like, quote, unquote, making work. Right, right, um, right. And what's been really interesting about it. And I mean, just to kind of briefly describe what kinds of things it's been for people who may not have seen it, it's um, videos of myself dancing with my mom in our living room when I was home this summer. It's um, 
videos of her, you know, eating eggs at the kitchen table. So is this all the stuff on Instagram? Yeah, it's, pu- yeah, yeah, a lot. I mean, really, I've published yeah, cause I, all of it, I think. As through. you were saying that, I was picturing the video of you dancing with your mom in the living room. Because yeah. I've seen it. I mean, and... And you've you've posted multiple videos, right? Yeah, of... and I, and I I did make a conscious choice at the beginning of this summer. So I went, I guess, also to explain for the podcast purpose, I went home this summer and spent two months with my mother who has um, the late stages of dementia, and um, and I made a conscious decision when I went home to be kind of public about that on my social media on Instagram specifically because I felt like. Instagram is a medium where um, the typical kind of visual that you're seeing is like, I don't know, people's brunch photographs or like right. whatever. Like not the real side. The art they went to. And it's not that like, it's not bad that people no, no. like yeah. publish the, I mean, you've posted yeah, a lot I of post, amazing. I post a lot of shit, photo, man. That photos like, of your kid. In, yeah. You know, Emmett. And your kid. Yeah, um, the, but, the, the humanoid. <laughs> the most cute kid ever. Um, but anyway, so I, but I felt like it was important for me to tell that story in a space where I could kind of push people's, um, like to just be honest in a space where maybe it's not, maybe it's not, maybe that medium isn't always. Yeah, I mean? yeah. And so, yeah, it's um, like, it's like you, you want to, you don't, you wait to like take a selfie until everything is set up perfectly uh-huh. and makes you look a yeah. certain, like you're trying yeah. to control yeah, exactly the kind con- of contrived. Yeah. You're trying to control the, the picture and the, the frame instead of just like being right. Like legit. All right. By the way, we got to take a picture for, ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. We gotta um, take. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting to. Yeah. Yeah. This as soon as you said that, I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and bust out a selfie. Well, because a because selfie. so it really helps whenever I post it to put a picture, you know, of like the conversation. It puts it into a context. Yeah, but good. anyway, I had to I had to break that up with a with a selfie. <laughs> nice. But so no. But what I was saying is, yeah. I I felt like I needed to. That voice needed to being be, honest. Yeah. Like just, um. And I also was in such a raw place that I felt like you know, putting anything like I'm pretty consistently posting on Instagram because mm-hmm. I enjoy the process. And if I had, if I had been talking about anything other than, than my mom, like the most kind of real and raw thing in my life at that moment, it would have felt dishonest. So yeah. anyway, so I started kind of like doing this documentation and then the response I started getting from people was really incredible. And I realized that that kind of, uh, pro- the process of documenting her and our time together was actually a form of artwork. Mm. Um, and so now I'm in the process of kind of like putting this project together that really honors her and um, kind of is more formally an effort to create um, work, you know, yeah, as yeah. We, like with a capital W. Well, see, and so I do have written here that art reflects your surroundings. So yeah. one of the things that's super cool and I think I think I try to encourage more people to do more things like whether you're a writer start trying to just write mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to have a point necessarily but try to do it in an artistic way like mm-hmm. try to do it in a way that you're proud of you know mm-hmm. 
or drawing or sculpting or doing car work. I think that's a form of artwork. You know, a lot of people do a lot of stuff like that, yeah, mechanical sure. work and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it it allows you to reflect your surroundings, mm-hmm. like in a free space, I guess. You know, like it's yeah, it's a it's way of, of a, like yeah. Or, but do, but yeah. So that's that's kind of what. I had to like round out that. Can it? That was all. Can anyone be an artist? Uh, is that right? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking to that to that question. It is. I mean, the work you're talking about is a snapshot of culture and of the current time. And I think that's why the question of can anyone be an artist is. I mean, there's a lot of gray area in there, and there's a lot of nuance because I think if you're making stuff. I mean, there's different. There's lots of different thoughts on around the question of what is art, but I think um, if someone is making something that's a reflection of the time and of the culture, and especially with a, a specific intent, um, yeah. I mean, I think that that's there. I mean, in a way, we're all making art all the time. It's just kind of like there may be differing opinions when you get to the level of kind of like a museum curator looking at right, a right. specific painting, but well, it's the definition like, of art is, can be quite broad. It's kind of like, uh, you look at the, you look at the, uh, picture on the wall of the museum and then you go and you look at the plumbing system or the electrical grid and it's like, man, no, we're surrounded by art, you know? It's wild. I mean, actually that's something really interesting about MoMA because MoMA had the first, collection in the U.S., maybe in the world, of design objects, many of which are um, very everyday things like an ice cream scoop or the first Apple computer or, you know. Oh, shit. We don't think we don't think of it as art now. Right. Because we're so immersed in it being just an everyday normal thing. But design is very much a part of that. Yeah. That's interesting. To your point, like, I think actually one of the most interesting parts of MoMA is the basement. (laughs) Because you, just to see the inner workings of the actual structure itself. Yeah. And to see the way the staff um, kind of is this, like, organism of its own. There was a show that uh, came through MoMA, I guess it was October of last year, is that right? Um, this French choreographer, Jerome Bell, put together a performance called uh, MoMA Dance Company, where he asked staff members to volunteer their time to... So the, the the larger exhibition was artist choice, which meant that they MoMA would be inviting an artist to kind of do whatever they wanted with the collection, mm. the MoMA collection, meaning the, you know the the artworks that they own, and typically that that artist would put together an exhibition. Well, Jerome's idea, because he is a choreographer, was to actually use the staff members as the artwork. Oh. So he invited he invited people to be a part of a dance. So I and I volunteered to do it. So I was part of a company, quote unquote company of like I don't know 20 25 people who were dancing together and who were in kind of a, a like beautiful display of vulnerability were bringing their own dance from whatever their own culture, their own interest, um, their own kind of like this is the music that I love and I dance to in, in my bathroom when I'm like yeah, getting yeah. ready in the morning, like that kind of thing. They would, they would come up with a dance and come to the front of the group and do an improvised dance while the rest of us made every effort to follow them, their every move. And it was just really, it was really cool to see the staff um, come together in that way. And I think was such a poignant 
kind of message about exactly what we're talking about the the fact that art can be very broad and it doesn't have to do with it doesn't just have to do with you know oil paint on a canvas on a wall it doesn't just have to do with the wall behind the 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 painting that the architecture architecture or the whatever exhibition design mm-hmm. program put together it doesn't have to do it doesn't necessarily have to do with just with the curators who've like you know chosen this artwork to be on the wall that was built by the right, <laughs> right you know it's yeah. like all of those things and it's all of the people that kind of contributed to yeah, that yeah it's like to, it's the society that can prop up right an artist to where they can do something right. super crazy and, and then a lot of people yeah. it's like the community yeah. you know creates and we are getting yeah, very broad with cool. the definition of art but i do think so much of the art that i've seen in my own life and maybe this is just kind of where i'm coming from like i think to me, the the most successful art that I've made is really about that community. It's kind of about the organism of community, um, and yeah, I think that's it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever watched Scrubs? I. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what I expected you to say. I've seen it. Yeah, Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. So that that's one of the. TV shows, since I'm kind of on the periphery of, uh, of like, the medical industry, you know, uh-huh. I've, I've spent a lot of nights in the ER doing clinicals and stuff, and it, it's so funny because they, like, you know, you're around these people all the time. Mm-hmm. People forget that, you know, mm-hmm. the people you work with, mm-hmm. and these interesting little... Behind the scenes, everybody else thinks, oh, it's a professional, everybody's being professional here. But in reality, everybody's kind of got these own, they're playing these games. And Scrubs, like, does it to a T, like, makes it look perfect. Like, man, that's reality. You know, it's (laughs) hilarious and it's a TV show, but they, like, nail so much stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I always wonder that, like, anytime I'm in, like, a a fancy place, you know, I kind of look around and it's like, who are these people? Who are these people think they are, you know, setting everything up perfect, like, oh, no, everything's perfect. Like, believe us, we got our shit together. You're the one place in the entire world that has their shit together. This one little bitty place, look at it. They got their shit together. You know, it's just so funny to me. Highlights, like, this, uh, this like, make-believe story that we all kind of pretend is true. Like, we all know what's going on. We've got a handle on this thing, right? Yeah. And we all like to pretend, like, that's, you know, but... It's better when it's not perfect. It's better when it's not, and it never will be perfect, you know? Like, there's there's no, like, perfect... Perfect artwork is much more interesting. Yeah, perfect is is an idea you project on it. Like, Picasso's stuff is perfect, even though it doesn't maybe... You might not even like the way it looks, you know, some of the stuff, but... It's kind of an interesting, that was an interesting little digression. <laughs> but um, so let's see here. I got the high society art and the different styles. Like what would you say are the top four exciting styles that are currently? Oh, uh, Instagram has to be there just as a medium, right? Um, yeah. Because there's, it's such a way of people social getting out art, there. And yeah. Social of, art, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's sort of social practice, which is its own thing, but um. Yeah, I think kind of digital and internet art is certainly kind of exploding. So have you seen those new TVs that they can put on the wall that look like picture-perfect art? Like whenever I have, like they can go into screensaver mode and it uh-huh. looks like a picture of art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I was thinking, sell some at MoMA. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. D- the, the TV? There's a Samsung like, one specifically that we yeah. sold. But so that, that was one of the things I was thinking was super interesting is what if you could say, oh, in Amarillo, 
at this place they're wanting to display my art. Uh-huh. So they pay me five bucks and they run my art on their wall. They better pay me more than that. Well, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Five yeah. five bucks for for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Or something. Or five uh-huh. bucks. And then so you're just on that wall for a little bit, and other people can look at it, rate. and it just yeah. like rotates through, almost like ads. So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it, if art was ads instead of ads being ads, instead of instead of me talk, looking at yeah. the wall and being like, oh, fucking Arby's five dollar off. Like, that's what's on my wall. Like, yeah. not my walls, yeah. but yeah. When I'm driving down the road and I'm seeing all these billboards, these, like, huge canvases. Mm-hmm. And what do they put on them? Advertising. Buy a Wendy's yeah. whatever for six no. bucks. It's like, dude, you're fucking, you're literally killing these people by yeah. feeding them trash. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I have a friend of mine, Jordan Sealer, has made his whole, like, he's so committed to this uh, effort that he's traveled all over the world, basically kind of, like... Um, as like this guerrilla style artist, like tearing advertising down from public structures and putting in place artwork that he's commi- either mm. commissioned. I think he commissions most of it, and a lot of it is actually um, even kind of has overlap with technology. Where if you have an app that he's created, you can hold your phone up to an advertisement, and it changes it into artwork whoa Um, yeah so it's really it's it's an interesting discussion and there's also an organization in new york called public art fund who recently did this show kind of commemorative 40-year anniversary show called commercial break uh wherein they 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 raised enough money to buy advertising space around new york specifically in places like times square barclay center where there's like you know there's like a lot of money that goes into advertising and a lot of visibility, and they commissioned all of these different artists to make kind of site-specific artworks wow. that would go in place of ads. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some pretty interesting work being made specifically about that issue. See, and that's what's that you know that's one of the downsides that a lot of people don't realize about a capitalistic system is everything becomes a ploy to try to get you to buy something in that. Mm-hmm. Versus, I feel like. Whenever you're maybe in like a monarch type situation and it's like, let's just keep the people happy. That's like the government, you know, they're not trying to get you to buy anything else. You're eating what we're giving you, but let's just try to keep them happy, you know? So like they build these beautiful churches and they build these beautiful markets and everything to where people can go and forget that they're slaves, you know? I'm not sure exactly what we're arguing for here. Oh, no, no. I, I guess what I'm saying is it would be, it would be really cool if. Those big public spaces like that, instead of us just whoring them out to advertisement money, we could say, no, let's actually create something that that the majority of people that walk through here are going to look at and be awe-inspired or be be inspired or be – see something pretty or, you know, even like uh, I I feel like it's going to be an interesting like I say bioengineering mm-hmm. our societies. You know, mm-hmm. have you heard they did some science? I heard it on NPR not too long ago, where in Japan they're doing these nature walks, and the doctors have realized that like when you walk through nature, that mm-hmm. the trees and that there's different pollens and stuff that you breathe in, mm-hmm. uh, that actually help your system operate and at yeah. a higher function. So, yeah. and the relaxation of it and all this different stuff. So in Japan there, or maybe it was China. They're actually like getting prescribed. Doctors are prescribing people nature walks, Mm -hmm. you know? So now imagine how cool it would be if you had a designated nature walk area 
that was in town and you could yeah, put like a lot of money into park. building and yeah like a badass park yeah. you know that where there isn't advertisement and you yeah. know like you create this more holistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, experience where it's not just some you know shoving stuff down your throat all the time it's actually stepping back and yeah being introspective or something you know i don't know that's kind of for me that's what art typically does is it makes me reflect on my cult the surrounding culture around me you know Mm -hmm. it like highlights certain aspects and it just makes you like wonder and question a little bit you Mm -hmm. know like that's my favorite type of art you know and we're lucky that in the age of the internet, art is literally everywhere. Yeah. I mean, people are creating these amazing stuff and just giving them away for free, you know, putting them up on walls and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, I think one of the most exciting things, I guess, to your question about, um, like, mediums that are kind of, like, happening now, different kinds of mediums that are are popular, I think that um, it's been really cool to be an artist in a time where you and I can both make something and post it immediately. Oh, yeah. There's something... And that's been kind of foretold even by artists like Andy Warhol. And, you know, it's been happening even since then and before then. But I think now we actually have the technology to make things immediate. So it's... um, Do you do any work with 3D printers? scary and exciting. Uh, I... Have I? No. No? I haven't. Or or like the... I think I asked you last time you were on the virtual reality, like sculptors. I have, have no, those? I mean, I've seen, I know what you're talking about. I, I definitely have not. See, I think that's going to be a game changer. yet, yeah. As soon as people start, you know, you, you yeah. build something and then you 3D print it right there. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. going to be a crazy experience. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, it is exciting. There's a lot of stuff. Well, you said you have a hard stop, correct? I do. 150, so... We have, uh, we've done 57 minutes, so, nice. and plus I'm going to play a little, have you heard of Hayden Pettigo? I have not. Pettigo? I want to hear. Um, so I'm going to play, well, let's see here. Actually, we can select a song real quick. I'll let you, which granted, you'll have to pick the song without, well, actually I could, let's see, where is he? Um, so we got Greetings from Amarillo is the name of his album. Is Him, this an, an he, He's Amarillo an Amarillo, album? yeah, he's an Amarillo, uh local but he's he's doing pretty good i think he's getting his stuff played but we got i think i've played greetings from amarello already on the podcast and wait Cloud i just Farrah. heard about this guy last night yeah no i think uh tim ingles is the guy who uh invested yeah or, i heard uh, about him yeah, yeah yeah told me about him so but yeah it's all ambient music but i'm gonna end the show with one of these okay let's um, do um have you already played greetings from amarello i think i've played greetings from amarello but I'll play that again. I think that's like his most popular yeah, one. Yeah, I so. just saw, um, well, anyway, people should check out the Stephen Shore show at MoMA because there's a lot of amazing Amarillo photography in the show. Oh, yeah. No, dude. Yeah. Um, Tim post that on Facebook? Or maybe. You, fo- you posted I did, it? You yeah. posted it. I yeah, did. I saw that. Um, that's awesome. There's some cool shit. Yeah. Uh, also represented is Michael Marsh, who is Stanley Marsh's brother, and uh, Stephen Shore's first, first uh, color project which is photographs of amarillo which he later oh, made really? into postcards and wow yeah, it's an interesting story so huh. anyway i feel like this is this so say that again tie in steven shore steven at shore you can look okay. up on moma's website cool and i'll try to do some some magic <coughs> and, and link it in the comments nice so anyway uh thank you all for joining us i'm gonna play you out with this song and uh talk to you soon peace out bye <laughs>